Thanks for downloading this episode of On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. My guest today is Jean Meister. She is a best-selling author of three books, an internationally recognized consultant and keynote speaker, and a partner at Future Workplace. Uh, Jean, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Peter. A pleasure. Delighted. Now, let's start. Tell me, how is social media changing human resources? Well, in the book, The 2020 Workplace, I look at 20 predictions for the workplace of the future. And prediction number 19, in no particular order, uh, was that social media literacy will be as common as ethics training and diversity training um, by the year 2020. And actually, that, that there's a momentum that's uh, really being surpassed by that prediction. So we, we made that prediction. prediction. The book was uh, launched in, at the end of 2020. And uh, early on, we've seen that the technology companies, Eric, were the first to really think about social media literacy as a new skill set that their employees needed. So the Dells and the Cisco's and, um, and Intel were really first on with this. And what I've seen um, over the last two and a half years is um, interest among consumer packaged companies as well as um, healthcare companies. This is great because, you know, that's what I love about a podcast. You know, we get to hear the sounds of life in the background. I so apologize. My husband's coming home and my dogs are barking. So, but this is life, Eric. It is life. Indeed it is. And life is in session, is it not? Yes, yes. Okay. So, let's get back to your question. How is it changing the human resource function? So I think human resources directors, the chief human resource officer, now is recognizing that not only do employees need to build these skill sets, but Eric, many of the individuals leading the human resource functions in Fortune 500 companies need to develop develop these skills for themselves. Do they have them? How are they doing? Often they don't. Often they are lagging in, in really being social media literate and understanding the impact of, of um, developing new skills to drive business results. I mean, it's all about driving business results. And, and I think that, that, the heads, that the heads of HR um, are more focused on risk aversion, on compliance, and what they and everybody else needs to focus on is how can we teach our employees to use these um, new sites, use internal social networks like, like Yammer and Jive and Chatter, as well as external LinkedIn to really drive social media and business results. So let's break down social media literacy. What is it? I think of it as being understanding how to use the tools 
in social media, both inside and outside the organization, in a safe and secure way to improve one's performance on the job. So given the very public nature of communications in public social networks, let's focus on public social networks for this discussion, and then we can talk about private as well. But if, if you're steering, if you're encouraging employees to do their jobs on public social networks, how do you manage those risks? Because while there is an upside, there is also a potential downside as well. How, how can employers manage that? Well, I, I think that the first step, what I've seen, is, um, com- is, is training around the organization's social media directive or guidelines. And I'm actually hearing that a lot of companies who formally had a social media policy are steering away from that for a whole host of potential legal reasons. But they need to give employees some guardrails about what, it, what is it safe to share, how to share, and importantly, role model how to share to drive some business results. I'm reminded of the, um, of the Smart You um, program that PepsiCo has had, which has been somewhat controversial, Eric, and that They've trained people to use social media, but really are looking for their employees to be social ambassadors for the Pepsi brand and really guiding them on how they can be ambassadors on external sites. And, you know, so, you know, what's your take, actually, on, on how, you know, on, on, you know, you can see that employees may give you some pushback but with a company the size of Pepsi with 300,000 employees, and let's say each employee has at least, for, for this purpose, 250 friends on Facebook, wouldn't it be great if you could um, make it easy for an employee to share coupons, to talk to, uh, to share news about product launches with their friends? Yeah, I mean, I think that's great. I definitely think there's a place for that. Uh, but but I want to follow up on, on something you said earlier. You said a lot of companies are steering away from social media policy. Can you, can you talk a bit more about that? Yeah. I, what I've seen is that um, companies are saying, are questioning with their legal counsel, do we need a separate policy on social media? Or do we have some guidelines? for employees on how to use these internal and external sites in a safe manner, but really, you know, we're going to hire and fire employees based on our individual code of conduct. Do we really need something special on social media? And um, I think it's, it's just bubbling up as a series of questions that, a chief communication officer, an HR officer, and a legal counsel are beginning to have. You know, do we need another formal policy where someone could, you know, object to it, or do we do we are we good enough to go with what we have in our code of conduct, but then provide some guardrails on social media usage? 
but the problem is, you know, the code of conduct stuff is the easy stuff. The hard stuff is, you know, how do you uh, discourage bulk posting? How do you discourage paid links? How do you discourage, um, you know, uh, paid endorsements? You know, all those things that are specific to social, you know, there's really no place for them in a code of conduct. Well, then, you know, that's part of social media guidelines. I mean, it may be splitting hairs, but I think what I'm seeing, the undercurrent, is people just stepping away from calling it a policy to calling it something a little looser while still providing very detailed, um, you know, guidance on what you should or shouldn't do. I think overall there's unanimous agreement that we can't, we're in the wild west, in a bit if we don't provide our employees guidance. And let's face it, whether your company has a social media policy or not, or whether your company even allows you to go on YouTube from your work computer, it's irrelevant in these days of bring your own devices. Um, And, you know, companies really need to understand and provide the, the guidance of what you can and what you can't do. Um, and in, in some type, in some form. Yeah, it, it, it's a great point because no one reads the policy anyways. So, so let me ask you this. You, you mentioned, you know, in your book, I know you cover the fact that there's going to be five generations in the workplace in 2020. So given that you've got these five generations, all of who have different levels of technical literacy, how do you develop a multi-generational training program that really allows you to effectively introduce all these different employees to the power of social media? Well, it's my point of view that regardless of your age, Eric, we are all digital natives. If we're working and we're employed and we want to stay employable, we are on social networks and we are, you know, we have already a base, a baseline level of social media literacy. And, you know, the fastest growing age segment for social networks is actually those over 55. Um, so I think that, I think that, you, you know, one has to assume that the younger millennials are probably more literate and one way to, to bring them, you know, into the process is to consider them the power users and think of them as the ambassadors for developing a social media literacy training program. You know, they're, you know, they're going to be the, you know, and often we see in, in the book we talk about um, the growth in reverse mentoring programs where um, millennials will actually mentor older senior executives and often the topic is around digital literacy or social media usage or, you know, even using the latest cloud um, tools to improve one's productivity or the latest um, app. So um, think of, you know, for anyone out there listening, think of your millennials as, um, you know, mentors, reverse mentors for those, um, for those older traditionalists and, and boomers that may not have developed this skill set uh, as robustly as millennials have. I love that idea because, you know, we're, we're dealing now with a generation that's grown up with the impulse to share every moment, you know, that's, uh, that's noteworthy in their lives. However, what concerns me is 
you know, these folks are new to business and don't really often understand the reasons decisions get made in the boardroom. They may not have the business maturity to understand in a broader context what communications left online that never disappear could mean for them in a broader context, taken out of context. And so I wonder, I mean, is it dangerous to, uh, you know, trust the millennials to lead us, you know, alone into this brave new world? I, I feel like it means trust them totally, but I, I think, think, of, think of if you are, put yourself in the position of somebody that may still working, a senior executive, age 55, uh, relies on their kids when they, when they have a techie question, um, they're, they're, you know, they're quite receptive to having some one-on-one on the, you know, sort of the nuts and bolts of, of finding your way around um, and using some of these tools. Um, in, in, you know, no way the millennials are going to, you know, set the stage here um, because, let's face it, they, they are living in a transparent world, but we all are, right? And, uh, and you know, it, it drives home the point that, you know, millennials can be the reverse mentors, but that doesn't take the place for an organization's commitment to build social media literacy training across the enterprise. I mean, it's, it, you know, think of it as a one-on-one, um, you know, a, an opportunity, but in no way replaces uh, a formal and an informal program. I think for what I've seen, I've actually done a couple of blogs on this topic. Um, my blog on Forbes is called 2020 Workplace Preparing for the Future. And one of the interesting companies I interviewed for that was, was Sprint. And they have the Ninja social media training program. And what they shared um, and what I'm also seeing with, with other companies is not an, you know, it's not enough to just have a one-time program. You really have to have an ongoing online community where, you know, there needs to be, um, you know, a place where people can go when they have those tough questions and they're reaching a point in their workflow when, you know, they have a social media issue. And they may have taken a program six months ago or six weeks ago, but they have that question now. So I think that, you know, I see this as a very um, robust area which should live with not only formal programs, but, you know, informal ways to get quick knowledge. So that's a a nice segue into uh, the, the next subject I was hoping to discuss with you, and I know it's something you've thought a lot about and written a lot about, and that is, you know, the role of social media in internal communications inside the company. How is social media changing internal communications? Uh, well, it's, it's, uh, well, first of all, um, companies that are successful in having brought internal collaboration platforms like Jive and Yammer and SAP Jam inside the enterprise say, a couple of, you know, a couple of things about their success in doing so. And the first thing they often say is for these internal collaboration programs to be successful, they, you must think that, you're, that they are part of the workflow. 
this is not, these internal platforms are not another place to go. They are not another password to remember. But they should be built into the way people do their job. That's number one. And the second is when they're inside the organization, how can they have a business impact on some of the critical processes and use cases that executives care about? For example, onboarding and recruiting. You know, how can we use these, these collaboration platforms to speed up the time to competency for new hires? The second is how do we um, make key jobs, uh, key roles more productive faster, like allowing salespeople to share um, uh, proposals faster or allowing consultants a way to share best practices faster. So there are some key use cases that we have to identify and, 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 under, and under, figure out how those are aligned to our, our strategy and really focus on driving collaboration with those key processes. So those are just two, but they're certainly, you know, focusing on key roles that drive revenue, like sales, focusing on increasing time to competency in recruiting and onboarding. And then, you know, a third one that often comes up is, is one, you know, increasing the speed to innovation. So getting, you know, getting those great ideas out there and acted upon faster. So, you know, but overall, the overarching goal is we've got to change the way we work and really build more collaboration, online collaboration, into how we work and do our job for it to be successful. We're talking to Jean Meester. She is the best-selling author of the 2020 Workplace Stay with us. So we're at a point where 91% of adults use social media. 85% of employers think there's a benefit to using social media at work. Half of all companies globally have had to discipline an employee for the misuse of social media at work. And still, less than a third provide any sort of training at all. If you're ready to train the enterprise, um, Comply Socially has 80 hours of online social media training courseware uh, that's available for license. It is uh, the most cost-effective way to train a large employee population, and you can do it anytime, anywhere, on any device. If you're interested in becoming a reseller, hop on over to complysocially.com, visit the reseller link on the bottom of the page, and fill out the form. We'd love to talk to you. Or... If you're at a company where you're in charge of social media and you'd like to get the rest of the folks retweeting, liking, and commenting on your stuff, we have a solution for you to scale engagement in the workplace and manage risk at complysocially.com. Check us out. So, Gene, let's talk a moment about compliance. This, you, know, you, you, you mentioned social media literacy. Uh, you know, also with all the rules and regulations that the government is spitting out uh, concerning how companies can and can't and how employees can and can't use social media professionally, you know, there's a lot of rules out there. And, uh, you know, if a company makes a mistake, I mean, they could be looking at $125,000, $150,000 in legal fees alone, not including punitive damages or settlement uh, costs. 
how should companies grapple with this area sort of abiding by the law in this area that's changing so quickly? Well, beyond, you know, I, I, what I've seen is um, looking at social media literacy as, um, as an annual program that also needs to be where someone gets certified. And this, this new skill set is also built into new, all new hire training programs. And it's actually something that Unisys has, has uh, launched. And another, another blog and, and article I wrote for Forbes. Um, so in, in their case, you know, every company has a new hire onboarding program. You know, this is a logical place to put this. And it's, you know, and why not certify one's ability in social media literacy? But then we know how many things change and how often they change. So this is also an area that one needs to be recertified in, um, maybe even as frequently as every six months. Um, so, you know, under individuals that work for big companies are used to going through ethics training and being certified and complying with that every year. Well, why shouldn't social media be the same thing? And I would, I would add to that, it really needs to happen on a six-month basis and not a year because there's too much change. And, of course, you know, it's not just the regulatory environment that's changing. The platforms themselves change. I mean, you know, we, we just got Facebook grass search. Uh, we just got, uh, you know, uh, Instagram video. I mean, it's, they're always changing. So, you know, while the key concepts are pretty much the same, both best practices and the how-to mechanics of these networks are always in flux. So if I'm at a big company where my core competency is not necessarily training or social media, it's making cars or delivering electronic components or uh, you know, preparing tax returns, whatever it might be, does it make sense for that company to take on the burden of maintaining those trainings themselves internally, or do you th- or do you think you know there needs to be some sort of a provider? I mean, how do you see that unfolding? Well, I think that there's no one size that fits all. So there, you know, there, you know, employees should be. We should think about our employees as representing different segments, especially when it comes to this topic. So there's you know there's one segment that really needs deep knowledge. You know, think of them as maybe the brand managers that manage social media platforms for big brands. Well, they really need to know all exactly what you said, right? You know, the, the, new, the latest and greatest on Facebook and Instagram and Tumblr and, and how to leverage these platforms to drive greater revenue and brand and market share for their brand. But then there's, the, you know, the individual that just wants to stay out of trouble and wants to be sure that they're sharing things in a safe and responsible way and wants to understand how to collaborate um, safely with other team members. Well, they, they, they logically need, you know, a, a less intensive program. Jean, um, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Tell us where can we find you if we want to connect with you. Well, thank you. First of all, thank you, Eric, for finding me on, of course, one of my social media platforms. Um, so people can find me um, on www.futureworkplace.com. They can send me an email at 
Jeanne, J-E-A-N-N-E, at futureworkplace.com. They hopefully can follow me on Twitter, at J.C. Meister, and send me a direct message. And um, I'm happy to talk to any one of your uh, loyal fans. Uh, The book is The 2020 Workplace, How Innovative Companies Attract, Develop, and Keep Tomorrow's Employees Today. Uh, It was published by Harper's Collins, and uh, we'll have a link to it on the podcast uh, website. Gene, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Wherever you came from, whether you're listening through our website, through social media today, through iTunes, um, or on your mobile phone, thanks for downloading this episode. Thank you, Eric. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. On the Record Online is hosted by Eric Schwartzman, an independent online communications consultant whose clients include the U.S. Department of State, the United States Marine Corps, the U.S. Embassy of Greece, the Government of Singapore, Johnson & Johnson, Toyota, Southern California Edison, the Environmental Defense Fund, and dozens of small to medium-sized organizations. For information about engaging Eric Schwartzman as a speaker, social media trainer, or digital strategist, visit www.ericschwartzman.com or send email to eric at ericschwartzman.com.